I was addicted for most of the 80s. It's not a terribly long time to be an addict, but it lasted longer than World War II. There's one novel, Cujo, that I barely remember writing at all. I don't say that with pride or shame, only with a vague sense of sorrow and loss. I wish I could remember enjoying the good parts as I put them down on the page. Stephen King. Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I want to look at the decade of the 1980s and how we remember it from a literary standpoint, because quite frankly, most of us don't remember it as very literary at all. It was the decade that saw the end of the Cold War, the miracle on ice, new wave music, and a lot of other things. But books? Not so much. I know that I personally have never really much thought of it as a great literary decade. And it turns out that I was wrong. Let's take a look at the books of the 1980s. most of us who survived that decade, I remember it most for the music and the John Hughes movies, but only vaguely recalled specific books from that time. Well, unless you count the literary brat pack of Brett Easton Ellis, Jay McInerney, Tama Janowitz, and Donna Tartt. As it turns out, my memory left out a lot, and I mean a lot. Stephen King alone published some of his best work during the 1980s. Though, as today's epigraph shows, he also doesn't remember much about that time. Here's a list of books The Master released during the 1980s. 1980, Firestarter. 1981, Cujo. Also 1981, Dance Macabre, a nonfiction book about horror. 1982, The Dark Tower, The Gunslinger. 1983, Christine. Also 1983, Pet Cemetery. Also 1983, Cycle of the Werewolf. 1984, The Talisman as Peter Straub. 1985, Skeleton Crew, a short story collection. 1986, It. 1987 saw the following four books released. The Eyes of the Dragon, Misery, The Dark Tower 2, the Drawing of the Three, and The Tommyknockers. 1989, he released Dark Visions, a short story collection, and The Dark Half. Now we all know King was and is prolific, but he wrote more in the 1980s than most authors do over the course of an entire career, and he doesn't even remember doing most of it. It's pretty impressive. There were a lot of notable books released in the 1980s, not by someone named Stephen King as well. In 1980, Robert Ludlum released The Born Identity, the first in the series that is nothing much like the later Matt Damon films. 
1982 delivered Alice Walker's most famous novel, The Color Purple, another book that is, sadly, less famous than its movie version. In 1983, Terry Pratchett's The Color of Magic debuted. This first in the Discworld fantasy novel series ultimately spawned 41 novels and developed a huge fan base. 1983 also saw the English publication of Umberto Eco's classic bibliomystery, The Name of the Rose. If you've never read it, you need to correct that error immediately. Maybe the most notable book of 1984 was Bright Lights, Big City by Jay McInerney. It launched the literary Brat Pack and was the best novel told in the second person I've ever read. And to be fair, it may be the only novel told in the second person that I've ever read. 1985 was a banner year for me, book-wise. Not only was it the first year I read my favorite novel ever, Somerset Mom's The Razor's Edge, which I've reread every year since, it also saw the publication of two very different classics, Brett Easton Ellis's Less Than Zero and the best western ever written, Larry McMurtry's Lonesome Dove. 1985 was also the year Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale was published, though I have yet to read it and won't until all the political hubbub around it dies down. In 1987, Tom Wolfe released not only his most famous book, but one described as the quintessential 1980s book, The Bonfire of the Vanities. To be honest, I've never finished this one either, mainly because for whatever reason, I don't like Wolfe's writing style. Maybe that'll change someday, but that day is not today. 1988 saw perhaps the most controversial book of the decade released. Maybe one of the most controversial ever. Salman Rushdie's The Satanic Verses, which was based in part on the life of the Prophet Muhammad, caused such a violent reaction among some Muslims, including Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini, who called for Rushdie's assassination in a fatwa, that Rushdie was forced into hiding for the next nine years and several of his translators were attacked. In fact, his Japanese translator was assassinated. On a less controversial note, 1988 was also the year Gabriel Garcia Marquez's Love in the Time of Cholera was released. It's a harder read for me than 100 Years of Solitude, but it's worth the effort. A few others of note from that decade would include Kundera's Unbearable Lightness of Being, John Irving's The Cider House Rules, Isabel Allende's The House of Spirits, and Susan Hill's excellent ghost story novel, The Woman in Black. There are many, many more, but I want to leave you with one from 1985 that is also the book recommendation for the week. Laura Numeroff's If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Yeah, it's a kid's book. The first in a fine series, by the way. It's also hilarious. If you're ever having a shit day, read that book. It'll make you smile every time. And isn't that what all the best books do? Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming, 
please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. It'll go a long way towards helping us create more episodes and hopefully becoming completely ad-free. Thanks a lot. Thank you.